0: Where we go back, back to, the, to past the past and read a comic from DC's yesteryear of publishing You can hear us every week on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast And this week we have a special Chris Sheehan pick uh, mm. That is going to evolve into a very controversial discussion So stay tuned, listener, if you want to hear the amazing controversies to be revealed at the end of this segment uh, The book we're doing this week is Booster Gold, Volume 2, Number 5 Cover date, February 2008. Uh, Title 52 Pickup, Chapter 5, No Joke. Written by Jeff Johns and Jeff Katz. Art by Dan Juergen, Norm Rapmund. Colors by Hi-Fi. Cover price was $2.99. And the on-sale date is uh, December 12, 2007. Is that a rough date? Doc? You, you nailed that date pretty much, right? We know.
1: Yeah, that one. It, yeah, it's, it's only a few
0: years ago. Within, so yeah, exactly. Uh, Within the century, we can nail the date pretty exactly.
1: It's usually on a Wednesday. Where that When helps. it was on the newsstand, who the hell knows?
0: It's true. Um, so, of course, we're going to tell you a little, little bit about the creative team. Uh, first guy, you might have heard of him if you're a DC fan. If you haven't, his name is Jeff Johns. He was born January 25th, 1973, in Detroit, Michigan, Motor City. He was a comic book fan from an early age, and his first comics bought being Crisis and Infinite Earths number 3 and The Flash number 348. Uh, he must have really been like, what the hell? I mean, he jumped into Crisis imagine? on the third issue. <laughs> right? Like, what the hell's going on? But uh, he stuck in there and really dug it. He graduated from Clarkson High School in 1991 studied media arts, screenwriting, film production, and theory at Michigan State, and then looking for an internship, Johns made a cold call to Richard Donner's office, and Donner accidentally picked up the phone, and then Donner took him in. Uh, That's pretty—I've heard that anecdote before, and it's pretty entertaining.
1: Pretty wild, yeah. Uh,
0: Through that, he met DC editor Eddie Bergenza. That's not the controversial part. Uh, while no. working on Donner's conspiracy theory, <laughs> 1997, that great Mel Gibson flick, uh, Johns was invited to pitch a book. He chose Stars and Stripe, which starred current Star Girl Courtney Whitmore.
1: Actually, he—he, he, I found out that he uh, co-created Courtney Whitmore. I was—I oh, really? was actually digging through my Stars and Stripe last night, and I forgot to—I forgot to notate that. But yeah, he—he uh, he created uh, Stargirl, or or the Star Spangled Kid. At the yeah.
0: Point. He, he, she was a, a legacy character back when they still were trying to do that, right? Uh, yes. But you know, and she did take because she was in the, she was on one of the new Fifty Two Justice Leagues. I'm just not sure which one. Oh, it was a Justice, Justice League United. United. That's right. Yep. Um, he was offered co-writing duties uh, on the then recently launched JSA title, which served to repair and rehabilitate many of the continuity Savage members of the Golden Age team, and that's a very uh, beloved and remembered run on JSA right there. Oh yeah, he he fixed Hawkman. <laughs> yeah. I know. Until they screwed him up again. So they broke him again, unfortunately. Hawkman's very fragile, obviously. You, you have to mm-hmm. handle him with care. But John's yes. did probably right uh, you know, one of the best Hawk Hawkman Hawkmen? I don't know, is that the right way sure. to say it? Hawkman's Hawkman's <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's probably the way to do it. Um of John's early work, his run on the flash is definitely worth mentioning for sure. Yeah. He ran with <laughs> no pun intended, although you're you're pretty good at that. Uh, the character from issues 164 to 225—a nice long, healthy run.
1: A lot of that with art by Scott Collins.
0: Oh yeah. Well, all right. I've—I've um, I've definitely read chunks of that. They're actually reissuing that now. In yeah, I think they did an omnibus, and now they're doing the paperback trades, which are like something a human being can hold and read.
1: Yeah, you don't so, have to lay it on the floor to read it. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's. They did the same thing with JSA. I know they did his. I think that's two omnibi. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so that's something, I've seen some of it, but I've been thinking I need to tuck into that, because I do like his stuff, and I, I read Flash Rebirth, and I've read his Green Lantern stuff, which yep. we'll get into a little more later. Um, Marvel came a-callin' right around that time, and Jeff would have a nearly two-year run writing the Avengers while still writing for DC. Uh, he didn't go exclusive like a lot of his contemporaries, frankly, I think his heart was with DC. Uh, sure. Did you read this? I never read this at all.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was real good. Yeah. Um, it, it was right off the back of the Kurt Busiek run. Oh, okay. Um, so it wasn't. Uh, I think a lot of people were expecting like a real, real big drop in quality, but uh, no, it was real good. I think he, a lot of the art was uh, Olivier Coipel or Oliver Coipel, Coipel.
0: Never uh, that name. Yeah. Is not ring a bell. Yeah, interesting. And uh, he he is great with teams. So and and sure. large cast. So I'm not surprised. Anyway, he uh, rehabilitated and retcon Hal Jordan back to his heroic prominence after his dalliance as Parallax, and uh, graduated the kids of Young Justice into a new version of the Teen Titans, which also, that run I have read, it's quite good. Oh, it's excellent. Uh, that also you can get out there in the, in the world. It's not too hard. Um, Johns would also write the sequel to Crisis in Infinite Earths, Infinite Crisis, which reestablished the DC multiverse and gave a few of DC's heavy hitters brand-new or tweaked origins. And then along with Greg Rucker, Mark Wade, Grant Morrison, and Keith Giffen doing the plotting, he crafted DC's first big weekly title, 52. Not the new 52, folks. Just 52, which brings us to our boosterific present.
1: Yes, uh, we also have Jeff Katz. I uh, really can't find a whole lot about this guy <laughs> online. Uh, what we do know, we don't have a birth date or a birthplace, so we're assuming he's a robot. Yeah, probably. Um, he was a, he's a former producer at 20th Century Fox. Uh, he oversaw the production of X-Men Origins Wolverine. Um, he was a producer on, of uh, Snakes on a Plane and Freddy vs. Jason. American Original. It's an entertainment company with two divisions, including American Original Press, uh, which is a company that produces about 10 comics a year with an end goal of uh, getting picked up for other media. So basically the comic book version of a movie pitch, perhaps. Yes. Uh, this was partnered through Top Cow uh, I think that's Mark Silvestri's company over at image yep um American and also American Original Entertainment which is the film and TV side of that uh, he did a uh, he did do a, a series for Top Cow I think it was a series of series that was called uh, Crosshair
0: yeah uh, and as as far as i could find out that wasn't the American Original Press and in fact i couldn't even find one comic yeah. for American Original Press, I have no idea, really, anything about it. These things could be out there. That just because you don't find stuff online doesn't mean they don't exist. But sure, uh, didn't couldn't find more about it.
1: I couldn't either. Yeah, because Crosshair was definitely a Top Cow project, so yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't find any of that American original myself either. Um, now doing the art chores, we got Dan Jurgens, a close personal friend of mine. Uh, we, <laughs> we did take a picture together
0: once. That's right, you can um, find it on the blog if you dig yes. deep enough, folks. Now, he was born uh, June
1: 27, 1959, in Ortonville, Minnesota. He uh, graduated from the Minneapolis School of Art and Design in 1981. Uh, after showing Mike Grella his portfolio at a convention, he was offered his first professional work. This would be in Greg's long-running DC Comics Fantasy series Warlord, and it was issue uh, Number 63 uh, Cover dated November 1982 uh, In only a few years, Johns Went, um, went from artist To writer-artist, when he took over the writing duties On Sun Devils, with issue 10, I think he took that over from I want to say Jerry Conway Okay um, Maybe, <laughs> uh, and that was April 1985 Issue 10 uh, Also in 85, he created The, the fellow we're going to be talking about today He That's created right. Booster Gold uh, and he might have had something to do with Superman in the early '90s. Oh really?
0: Yeah. Well, what, what could have happened to him then? I don't think I remember. Yeah. I, it was like November 1992,
1: <laughs> kinda. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he he killed Superman. He he was the man behind the death of Superman. Um, he's responsible for bringing me into DC, because that's uh, that's when I left my Marvelous roots behind for for a time. Uh, some of his Superman work, you have, of course, the death, the funeral, the reign of the Superman, and he also introduced the electric blue Superman, uh, which...
0: Can't win them yeah. all. <laughs> um,
1: now, he was also the architect of DC's second modern crisis event. We said that Infinite Crisis was kind of the sequel, but there was there was a crisis in between them. Well, actually, a couple, but, uh, We're going to talk about uh, Zero Hour of Crisis in Time, which went from issues four through zero. So we counted down, and this was during the summer in 1994. And it was pretty much done to kind of write some of the missteps and some of the things that might have fallen through the cracks of the original Crisis on Infinite Earths.
0: Yeah, because it kind of ran off the rails pretty quickly. They wanted their Legion in, their Superboy, you know. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, it didn't really take. Like most of these crisis events, it always ends up, you know, unfolding more (laughs) Problems and issues, so
1: And a, a lot of what was put in there Facilitated Jeff Johns' run on JSA Because they de-aged, re-aged And de-aged the JSA a Oh, lot. there
0: you go
1: uh, Now, like Johns, uh, Jurgens did a little bit Of Marvel work, while still maintaining his DC schedule, uh, they launched A new Spider-Man title around him, called The Sensational Spider-Man, it was launched in 1996, it took the place of Web of Spider-Man on the uh, On the release schedule oh. Uh, now this was during the Clone Saga, so uh, Dan had he had no he had very little or no flexibility to tell the stories he wanted because uh, you know Peter Parker was kind of off the table at this time. This yeah. was during the Ben Riley era. Right. So if anybody wanted to write anything with Peter Parker, they were kind of out of luck. They were stuck uh, working with Riley, and uh, Jurgens didn't stick around all that long on this title. Um, also in '96, he launched a new volume of the Teen Titans where he wasn't allowed to use any of the
0: Teen Titans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Dan Jurgens. Yes.
1: yes, This was a. Uh, it was actually him, and it was Jurgens and George Perez on this title. Oh, wow. And they, yeah, and they were not allowed to use any Teen Titans characters because I think the original push was going to be uh, Dick Grayson and Donna Troy, kind of mentoring this new team. Uh, that had like Joto and Risk and uh, Bat- Battalion maybe, or is that Team? T- it's either way. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he wasn't allowed to use them, so he had to kind of think outside the box, and he cleverly hid former Titan Lilith Clay under a mask and cape, and gave her the code name Omen. So uh, the the Omen that's currently in the Titan series, that all came from this uh, this run on Teen Titans.
0: And it kind of, um, kind of like splintered off a new character inadvertently, right? It's, yeah. Because uh, Lilith is in Titans Hunt. Yes. And, right, or now it's just Titans, yeah.
1: Yeah, and she's uh, and she's under the omen hood. Oh, I see. Um, and, uh, you know, he did come back to Marvel around the turn of the century. He wrote uh, Captain America and, and Thor during the, uh, kind of like the Heroes return volumes, which is where Marvel got them all back from, from Image and Wildstorm. When they licensed, I don't know if it was licensed, but when they gave them out for a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, that we—that's maybe a story for weird comics history because that was a very strange thing. But that was when you know, uh, you know, Liefeld was doing. That was the big boob cap, right?
1: Yes, uh, and uh, Jim, Lee was, Jim Lee was doing Fantastic Four Fantastic and Four, yeah. Iron Man, I think, yeah.
0: And another thing you know about Dan Juergens that you know as a fact, personally, is he's a heck of a nice guy.
1: He is a heck of a nice guy.
0: So That that's, is a fact. That's so you can put that on his resume also. So to uh, mm-hmm. so get up, set up a little bit for this Booster Gold issue, we got to talk about Infinite Crisis and not the new 52, just the weekly <laughs> series 52 now, Infinite Crisis really started in the 80-page countdown to Infinite Crisis special, where the Blue Beetle, Ted Kord, is murdered by former Justice League International financier, Maxwell Lord. This is an important note for the piece. For this piece. Uh, following Infinite Crisis, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman all vamoosed for a year. They took off, they decided things had gotten too wacky, and all the ongoing titles that took place after that were one year later. So to fill in what happened They came up with this weekly title Uh, It was an ongoing For the first time since 1989's Action Comics Weekly The series was called 52 Because there are 52 weeks in a year And 52 universes In the post-Infinite Christ multiverse And DC just likes that number a lot For some reason They seem to go back to it a lot Uh, And during 52, Booster Gold found himself as something of a hero, truly coming into his own, appearing far more mature and effective than he'd been depicted previously. He appears to die at one point and resurfaces under a full face mask as the heroic Supernova. Uh, Following the year-long epic, Booster is drafted by Rip Hunter Time Master... To become the defender of the time stream, which had been made somewhat malleable due to Captain Marvel's foe, Mr. Mind, throwing a bit of a fit. A kind of tearing it up, really. Yeah. Uh, booster agro- agrees on one condition, that he'll be able to go back in time and stop Ted Cord, his Blue Beetle pal, from getting murdered.
1: Mm-hmm. That's also very important for this issue. Yeah. Now hopping into the issue, it's Booster Gold number five, title No Joke. Uh, the cover, if if you've seen this one, you you know it. It's it's a clear homage, or how do you say homage? Is it homage? or homage? I'm not your... close
0: enough. I, I like yeah. homage. It sounds American.
1: I like homage too. Yeah. It's, it sounds New York. Uh, now, <laughs> it's a clear homage to 1988's *The Killing Joke*, uh, featuring the Joker aiming a camera at the Rita. This time, however, there's a reflection in the lens of Batgirl and a very protective Booster Gold. Uh, the story opens up years ago with Batgirl atop a building, delivering a final kick to the Scarecrow. Uh, now, after the fight, she has a rooftop chat with her dad, who really, she, he's got to know that this is his daughter, yeah. right? I mean, she almost calls him dad. She's <laughs> like, it's like, hey, dad, detective.
0: I mean, well, come on, what is this, her first day, You know what I mean? Have yeah. like, <laughs> you, you ever encountered this before? <laughs> but yeah, there we are.
1: Yes, and uh, she leaps off into the night as Commissioner Gordon proudly looks on. Yeah, I, I get a little bit of pride in in his face.
0: That's he seems to. He seems to have kind of a uh, a wince in his eye or something, and he says, yeah. "She's almost as good as you."
1: And then Batman comes out of the shadows and goes, "She'll be better." <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, can, that's the only time I'm going to be able to do Batman this issue, this
0: that, episode. We can check it off though—the all important yes. Batman cameo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, back in Rip Hunter's time lab, he and Booster are trying to figure out what to do with one of Rex's old team—one uh, of Rip's old teammates, Rex Hunter.
0: Hmm, teammate or brother? They got the same last name. Could they both be Booster's sons, Chris? Spoiler alert. Oh, we don't know that yet. Not yet. Not <laughs> in this issue either. So we'll <laughs> no. just move on. <laughs>
1: Now this this part I really dig about the uh, Booster Gold series. There's a couple of chalkboards in uh, in the lab, and uh, there, there's these notes scribbled on them. Like you know, like you see like Einstein in front of like a chalkboard with all these like formulas and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the online comics community, as it was, was really going nuts trying to decipher these things, thinking there's some sort of uh, some sort of importance behind them. And you know, it's it, this ran through the whole series, and it was always fun to check it out. Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote down a few of them here. We have The Sun Devils Will Save Us All, which I figure has got to be just a, a thing for Dan, because that was the first thing he wrote. Probably, yeah. um, We have a Lightning Sagas, Strike Twice, which uh, was going on in the pages of just, Justice League of America and Justice Society of America, where they kind of brought back the Legion of Superheroes. Wow. While, while running a Legion of Superheroes volume that had nothing to do with it. And not telling the writer, Mark Wade that they were bringing back the original team.
0: Well, that's nice.
1: <laughs> Why not? There's also 3000 plus 8, which might have something to do, because the Legion are from the 30th century, right?
0: Right, yeah, 31st, yep.
1: Yeah, 31st, there you go. Uh, there's also Gog is dead, the age of Gog is upon us, in the pages of Justice Society of America. Uh, they were bringing in bits and pieces of Kingdom Come.
0: Yeah, there's uh, Magog so, in there and everything. Yep.
1: Yeah. There was also death of the supermen, and they they actually brought in the Kingdom Come Superman in the pages of Justice Society of America. Wow. So I don't know if that's something to do with that. Uh, there's also who controls the Wildebeest Society? Uh, that's from the Teen Titans, so the new Teen Titans run. Uh, the Wildebeests were uh, were like these costumed monsters, basically, mm. that were uh, being being organized. Uh, it was revealed they were they were being organized by Jericho, but. Uh, I don't know if they were planning on doing something with the Will of the Beast at this point. I don't remember them actually doing something with it. Uh, And then there's also the ghost detectives have all the answers. And the ghost detectives, I'm assuming they're talking about um, the Dibneys. Oh, okay. uh, Because Sue Dibney died uh, during identity crisis, and I believe Ralph died during 52.
0: Yeah, he did die early on in 52. Yeah, yeah, and uh... I think at the end they showed them as a pair of ghost
1: detectives. Interesting.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, so, right. I forgot about that.
1: Yeah, and and also the word answers is underlined. So I wonder if that has something to do with the question. Because mm-hmm. during fifty two, Rene Montoya becomes the question.
0: Yeah, which was awesome.
1: So I wonder. Yeah, it was great. It was it was such an organic way to do it. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they were planning on something to do with the question and the Dibney's.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they if they were, I don't think it ever. It didn't materialize, and, yeah. and then Ralph Dibney and Sue Dibney came back to life in the new Fifty Two, anyway. So yes, <laughs> uh, we erased the whole blackboard. Now it doesn't, you know. Yes. But it, it is a good, it is a good gimmick. I wasn't online at the time, but I do remember seeing it in, in Fifty Two. This is also used. Uh, different things are on the the Rip Hunter's blackboard, and I remember really poring over it and trying to figure it out. Oh, yeah. So uh, Rip reveals he's got another quantum leapy-style gig for Booster. This is kind of what they've been doing in this series is going back back to the past, as we like to do here <laughs> and Righting the Wrongs. Um, his job is to save Barbara Gordon from being shot by the Joker. Rip says, then this will all be over.
1: To which Booster says, and then we can save
0: Ted Cord." The very second you're back. So, Booster hops onto the Quantum Accelerator, which is basically a cosmic treadmill. Same thing. Uh, Rip, and he just vanishes, and Rip looks to begin a rather sadistic method of interrogation on all wrecks. This really, I mean, what's funny for me, not reading the whole series, this is almost like an incongruous scene out of nowhere, you know, when I read this, but it, uh, there's a lot of pointy stuff in this place, and uh, yeah, he's he's about, like, there's like a sickle, you know what I mean, that looks like yeah. a su- there's some sort of a hal- halberd or something, you know, like like what the Swiss Army uses, so it's uh it's about to get a little gross in there, I have a feeling. Yeah. Um, so you can figure out, that they don't show it, which is unlike today's comics, where they would probably <laughs> show every scene. So Booster arrives in the past, and he's at the, that carnival from The Killing Joke, and by the way, we are assuming that you've read The Killing Joke, if you haven't, then this probably, some of this might be lost on you, but yes. if you haven't, you probably should check it out. Uh, and he's ready to go. Booster says... You heard Rip Skeets. Barbara Gordon was never supposed to be paralyzed. Uh, Skeets is his little robot, hovering robot pal from the future, as well, by the way. Um, before Booster can act, he feels a prick on his neck.
1: Let's keep it out of the gutter.
0: All right. Well, he was hit by a paralysis (laughs) dart, uh, which is pretty ironic considering what will happen to Barbara Gordon later on. And suddenly he's surrounded by carnies, these really ugly, weird freaks that uh, they're they're from the comic as well. We got a two-headed guy. We got a fat lady. We got the midgets with wings and in tutus. Again, you got to read the comic, folks, to understand what we're talking (laughs) about here. Um, they tear off his mask, revealing his lovely <laughs> blonde locks, uh, his, his semi-mullet that, that's, that he's wearing at the time, and it, it seems to have grown in between panels, and uh, they blow a gr- green noxious gas in his face, and that knocks him out.
1: Yeah, from here we uh, shift scenes to uh, to the current Blue Beetle, who's uh, Jaime Reyes, and he's taken in a Lucha Libre show. It's, uh, he doesn't get to enjoy it very long, because the Black Beetle shows up, informs the boy he's needed, and zips him away. Uh, back in the past, uh, Booster wakes up to find himself sitting before the Joker.
0: And the Joker says, Who are you? And why are you here? I'm here to stop you. Stop?
1: moi. And the Joker continues, delivering a line that makes me wonder if uh, if the freaks were supposed to uh, pull Booster's mask off.
0: Yeah, because he says, Are you Kardec under there? Kreskin? Yuri Geller, maybe?
1: I didn't see him bending any spoons. No. Uh, now the, the cover pans out, uh, the camera pans out, revealing that Booster Gold is bolted to train tracks, and there's a heavyset woman in a car rolling down the rails in his direction.
0: Yeah. Back at the lab, Rip Hunter is still interrogating Rex. Looks as though he's already pulled a couple of teeth and socked them a few times. I mean, he, he looks a little bit messed up. uh <laughs> You know, I have a feeling he probably could do a lot worse, but we'll see. (laughs) Rex
1: Uh, is kind of hardcore here, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, To be fair, though, Rex is threatening to go back in time and kill Booster Gold while he's still in the maternity ward, which is kind of a dick move.
1: Yeah, and it's also quite a threat to Rip. Spoilers.
0: That's right, yeah, we'll (laughs) find out why later, but I think you're already kind of figuring out, folks, or if you know Mm -hmm. about the series, you know what we're talking about. Uh, Rex gets all hopped up on chronal energy and burns out of existence as Rip pleads with him for information.
1: Yeah, Rip goes, you made the greatest mistake you could have. You told whoever you're working for your real name, didn't you? Who is it, Jason? Tell me. Tell me, and I might be able to stop.
0: And then we shift to that sh- a strange scene in a child's nursery. A child named Jason. Uh, the Time Stealers, Purr P- P- Degaton, the Ultra Humanite, and Despero. Uh, I, it's true. Why is he a shrimpy version? What, what is it? Yeah, deal? he's like the pre-crisis version. Yeah, he's he's just like a regular human size. But anyway, yeah, the, the same three eyes, same fin head. So we know who. He because
1: is. the fin the fin goes from left to right instead of front to back.
0: Yeah, it's a, he. It's I guess he's all the old school. Uh, yeah, yeah, the pre-crisis. Very weird yeah um they're present, and looks like they've killed Rex Hunter while he was in the crib uh, aka Jason, so he couldn't talk in the future, so this is basically what Rex wanted through to booster. Or threatened mm-hmm. to do to Booster, they did to him. So, a Booster's safe for the moment. Yes. Um, so, you know, this this had ramifications on the present or the future. We, it's our whatever you want. Wherever the hell we are. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of Booster, he is safe. We rejoin him and Skeets as the boost uh, as Booster uh, swings from shackles inside a cage. Uh, Skeets, what what happened?
0: As soon as the fat lady hit you, you blacked out. Me
1: and fat ladies don't mix.
0: Not unless alcohol is involved. I told you to delete that from your databanks. You tell me a lot of things, sir.
1: And from here, we move into uh, some very familiar killing joke territory. Dan Juergens does his best Brian Bolin imperson- impression here, and he, pulls it, he just knocks it out of the park.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to say, like, this is a really well-drawn issue. Oh, it's I, gorgeous. And you don't see Dan Juergens really draw anymore. I, I can't remember. I think he drew something very early in the new 52, but... He's pretty much just been writing, for, as far as I know, uh, but he really is a great, a really accomplished artist, and uh, oh, yeah. this one proves Absolutely.
1: it. Uh, now, uh, as Booster rushes across town, because he's still at the carnival, he's got to get to uh, the Gordon apartment, uh, the Joker gives a friendly knock on the Gordon's apartment door. Uh, Barbara answers the door, and uh, something happens.
0: Yeah, we well, well, you know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> she spills coffee. But you know, what, you know it's, what's funny is that the panels mirror the killing joke almost exactly. Even the yeah. even her like reaction panel when she oh, first i it, it I mean it, it it almost exactly like the comic, just sort of sized down, I guess, for you know, a, a weekly or a monthly format. You know, I mean mm. the, the, Brian Boland he got to take his time, whereas Dan Jurgens had to crank this thing out in some kind of reasonable time. But it's it's you know, panel for panel, so much like it. And uh at the same time, you know, the, these panels Are juxtaposed very well on this one page There are six panels, and it's like As Barbara gets shot Booster crashes in through the window She crashes through the glass Booster's running down the hallway And it's like, this is juxtaposed with Gordon Getting punched in the face mm-hmm. while it, It's it's a great page um, yeah. but, but the bottom line is He's too late
1: Yeah, and he, he does get there And the Joker does not take too kindly To his interloping eh?
0: This is a private party. Boys, show them the way out, preferably through the seventh story window.
1: Uh, Booster's able to hold his own against the goons And uh, finally lunges at the Joker Who just won't stop laughing at him Like he's choking him out And he's just laughing yeah. at him maniacally And he's just yelling Stop laughing at me uh, So he's, he's choking him And then uh, the Joker throws a camera around his neck And uses uh, flash photography To get out of it hey. um, he, uh, he blinds and befuddles Booster with flash photography uh, Joker begins wailing on Booster, and he's just about to blow his brains out when uh, Booster uh, he quantum leaps away. Like <laughs> it, it looks just like when Sam Beckett quantum leaps in Quantum Leap. Yeah, almost exactly. Like he turns yeah. blue and gone.
0: And and by the way, Joker does fire. He does. Uh, this yeah. is this is not like it wasn't about to go into a monologue or like you know some. He was about to get a bullet in his brain and he got away.
1: And uh, he he wakes up back in Rip Hunter's lab. And uh, he immediately insists that Rip send him back for another chance. And uh, from here, we get a really cool montage of Booster going back numerous times and failing to stop the Joker from paralyzing Barbara Gordon again and again.
0: Yeah. Uh, in, now, in very interesting ways. Like he he, get, yeah. he gets stopped uh, at the carnival at one point in the Hall of Mirrors. Like these these are all different stories. You know what I mean? Of, of what might have happened. He gets shot in the shoulder. Um, hmm. It's 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 really the implications are interesting, you know, uh, and also of time travel that it's sort of you can do a lot in, <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you can spend years in a day or some kind of.
1: Absolutely. And just it. and the rules of it are so uh, very, they're convenient. <laughs> yeah. um, now, uh, finally, after s- these these unsuccessful attempts, uh, you know, boosters just beaten bloody and just crawling <laughs> and rip refuses to send them back.
0: Yeah, Rip says, no. This this has gone far enough.
1: But the abnormal wormhole is still open, right? We can we we can go.
0: Booster, I I'm sorry. I was trying to teach you. I was only trying to make you understand. The Joker is always going to win.
1: I I I I can stop him. I, I know I can.
0: We can't. We can't change it. We never could. And Rip goes on to say Barbara Gordon was always destined to be paralyzed and become the cyber crime fighter called Oracle. That's the way it was supposed to be. The joker will always shoot Barbara Gordon.
1: Yeah, Rip tells uh, tells him that Barbara's paralysis was a moment in solidified time, which which is kind of hilarious now. Yeah, uh, much like the moment in which Ted Cord was murdered, which is also kind of funny now. <laughs> <laughs> Booster's reaction: He goes, "You lied to me. You gave me something to hope for. You made me watch. You you made me watch what that maniac did to Barbara over and over. And now you're telling me sorry? Screw sorry and screw
0: you. Ted Cord is dead." You have to move on.
1: What a dick.
0: I know. No <laughs> booster corner, turns buddy.
1: To <laughs> uh, booster turns to leave. He tells Rip he's done. He's, you know, hey, get another, get another uh, fool.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, he's been betrayed. He's been, you know, he's had the carrot of bringing his best buddy back dangled over his head this whole time. Uh, as he's leaving, there's a flash of blue light. The Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes, the Black Beetle, and the original Blue Beetle, Dan Garrett, are yeah. all there. And they have need of Booster. The task? Saving Ted Cord.
0: Hey, some of that time, not as solid as you thought it was. So, Mm -hmm. obviously, Chris, you like this book a lot, and I I enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, You know, if if I've said that, really, if I had more time, I'd really like to tuck into uh, these first 12 issues that Jeff Johns wrote and see what happened here. I I read 52 a bunch of times, and I think I've read a couple of the offshoots or... Was was there a lead-up to it? There was was something else I I read that was 52-related. or I don't know what it was, but it wasn't this, is the point. Yeah. And uh, I should have. It it seems really interesting, and Booster Gold is a cool character. He is. So let's follow up with some uh, Jeff Johns postscript, because I think he did a couple things after this. Uh, I
1: thought this was where he stopped.
0: You you know, you'd (laughs) you'd think so, but no, he, he did a few other things. He kept writing comics. Uh, reunited with Richard Donner to write the last sun story arc in action comics that was uh number eight forty four to eight forty seven december two thousand and six to april two thousand and seven he wrote flash rebirth with art by Ethan van skyver and reestablished Barry Allen as the flash um after Wally West had been the flash for quite quite a number of years twenty years See, or something like right that now. yeah um launched the national core war in two thousand and six uh they numbered one to eleven august two thousand seven february two thousand and eight and perhaps more famously, the Blackest Night mega crossover, the Big Green Lantern mega thing, uh, June t- 2009 to May 2010. Although that's almost misleading because there were so many spin spinoffs, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you you could make a you could make a you year fill out a
1: long of, box out of
0: this, yeah. Absolutely, uh, and this is where we get our multicolored, quote unquote, Skittles lanterns. Our uh, red, the emotional yellow, spectrum. Exactly, the emotional spectrum lanterns. Uh, it all comes stems from this. Um, He was named DC Entertainment's Chief Creative Officer on February 18th 2010 and then Co-wrote with Peter Tomasi The less well-received Brightest Day bi-weekly maxi-series As well as the first Barry Allen Helmed Flash title in decades So this is not a man that likes sleep No (laughs) Uh, Did that whole little Flashpoint thing that sort of precipitated Mm. The New 52 uh, (laughs) Kept writing Green Lantern through to the New 52 Until I forget issue 19 or 20 or something like that I think so uh, picked up Justice League and Aquaman following the reboot. I, I had forgotten Aquaman. Um, he wrote Forever, Forever Evil with art by David Finch. Mainly that was New Fifty Two's first big event, uh, and really the only one when I really come to think of it. I think so. Wrote a soft that involved at least one, the one that involved you know everyone in the DCU. Yeah, cause Convergence is kind of its own thing. I wasn't even thinking <laughs> that I tried, I tried not to think of that um, and he, he wrote a soft reboot of Superman with, with John Romita Jr. on art That was supposed to be a big whoop It wasn't really a big deal um, He wrote DC Universe Rebirth number 1 uh, sh- Shaking up the already shaken up DCU That was just last May that came out Yep. Uh, and basically has helmed this whole rebirth thing That has brought a lot of new eyeballs on DC Comics In recent months Although he hasn't written anything since then, but supposedly he's got his uh, creative eye on everything. However, he is very busy because in July two thousand sixteen, it was confirmed that Jeff Johns had already been president of DC Entertainment for a couple of months and would retain his position of chief creative officer while having more input on movies, television, and video game adaptations. Uh, also, I don't know. I, I assume you found this too. If you look at like the yeah. letters page. Pretty much any DC comic book From like the mid-1980s on About 1985 or 6 on I guess I mean if his first comic was Crisis right Yep um, I'd say there's about a 1 in 5 chance you're going to see a letter From Jeff Johns in there It's it's <laughs> so, it happened it was, I don't have nearly the comic collection that Chris mm. does But I have enough 80s comics that, I, that I'd say probably about 1 in 5 of them Has a Jeff Johns letter in there <laughs> very prolific Oh yeah <laughs>
1: Um, now, uh, Dan Jurgens, uh, he would uh, take over the writing chores on this very volume of Booster Gold uh, from uh, 2009 to, uh, I think, 2010, 2011, because I know uh, Giffen and Demetrius were in there for a bit. Uh, with the launch of the New 52, he started writing Justice League International, which ran uh, about a year. I think it made it to the uh, Zero issue. I remember it. Or an annual or something like that. Uh, he was part of that, that weird time in Superman. Where it was like a rotating door of creators, cause, like d c couldn't keep a team on it, it's like George Perez left keith giffen left
0: his, well uh, that was uh, what it was it was George Perez walked, and I think they they yep. scrambled after that. they didn't know what to do,
1: yeah, and it didn't uh it really uh was it was left bobbing until uh I think lobdell took a had like a year long run before the uh the johns and Romita run hit um He was also one of the creators involved in DC's 2014-15 weekly series, uh, New 52, Future's End. Uh, During DC's 2015 Convergence event, he would write a two-part story featuring the post-crisis, pre-Flashpoint Superman, still married to a now-pregnant Lois Lane, which ended in her giving birth to their son Jonathan, which uh, led right into the uh, limited uh, series Superman, Lois, and Clark, which established the old Superman and the new continuity, and ultimately, uh, him taking over as the real steel deal Superman following the death of the New 52 version.
0: Yeah, and you know they're still dealing with some of the fallout making all this work a little bit. <laughs> yes. uh, but I've, I've been enjoying uh, the Superman title overall. I, I don't know yeah. if I would say it's uh, a must-buy. I don't know if I've ever said those words together, but <laughs> um, I've, I've been enjoying it. I'd say it's worth a look, especially if you were kind of put off by Superman during the New 52 which really got messy towards the end that yeah. superman but uh uh this this kind of restores a lot of the fundamental things that we like about superman and he has a son so he that, does. that's a good time
1: what he doesn't have is the red trunks
0: yeah so i yeah that's right <laughs> well those i don't think are coming back right away but <laughs> no so i promise some controversy and controversy i shall provide uh we're going to talk <laughs> about the killing joke now again we're going to be talking about it as if you've read it, so if you haven't read it, I guess fast-forward and go read it and check us out uh, later on. Um, we're, of course, talking about the prestige comic book from 1888 by Alan Moore and Brian Boland, not the speed metal band or the new animated movie, which just came out, I think, this year. Maybe it was late last year. Um, this comic won the Eisner Award for Best Graphic Album. Uh, Which is a funny name for an award
1: I love how they called it
0: that This is back in the day This wasn't, you know, graphic novels Weren't, uh, you know, that common Yes Alan Moore got the award for best writer in the same year And that was 89 And I can only assume that it was really for The Killing Joke, uh, because that pretty much was his big That was his thing Exactly, Uh, I think he was you know, He was writing other things, but I I assume this was really what it was And, you know This wasn't uncontroversial When it came out, it wasn't like uh, you know, people just kind of took it blithely, and they were, you know, there were bat, huge Batgirl fans that freaked out at the time. Uh, and, you know, paralyzing a fairly, you know, known character. I, she wasn't A list at the time, but she wasn't like, you know, a forgotten Silver Age character. She'd been around in the books and stuff. Um, Was she a Golden Age character? Well no she uh, she, pretty much the Barbara Gordon as we Barbara Gordon is a Silver Age character. There was okay. there was that other Batwoman, Katie Keene, in the 50's Katie Kane, yeah. Uh, Kathy Kane, Kate, that's yeah. right, Katie Keene But and she actually had a bat girl, which was like her, her niece. psychic uh, yeah. It was her psychic. I think it was her niece. It might have been her daughter. I'm pretty sure it was her niece. Anyway, on same name's hero, but unrelated character. So Barbara Gordon is, is a Silver Age creation. Mm-hmm. Um anyway, but you know, she'd been around. She was in the, the bat family comic and uh yep so she, she she wasn't anything new and you know it was it was very controversial and uh but it was pretty well received and it was considered right away a pretty definitive batman and especially i think a pretty definitive joker story you know yeah. uh i didn't even i didn't put this here but after this is when the joker really became like psychotic
1: when he got dangerous, yeah. yeah not I mean, cartoony anymore.
0: There was, like, some of that a little bit in the 70s, uh, but not as, you know, here here it was like he's willing to commit genocide now, and, and I mean, <laughs> yep. not long after this, he, you know, kills Jason Todd, and uh, you know, now he's cuts off people's faces like it ain't no, no <laughs> thing, so this is a messed up gentleman. So, you know, uh, indeed, Barbara does remain paralyzed in continuity and becomes Oracle. An arguably, one of the, you know, the most beloved post-crisis character created in DC Comics, you know, and I know that there are people that would refute that, and that definitely is, like I said, an arguable point, but it was huge, uh, you know what I mean? Suddenly, you know, this Barbara Gordon, which was sort of a, you know, forgettable character, became really like a linchpin for so many books. As we pointed out, oh, yeah. you know, the JLA used her, uh, She, we're going to talk about she formed a... Uh, a very popular team of uh, female superheroes. But she first appeared as Oracle behind the scenes the following year in Suicide Squad, number 23, January 1989. Uh, So she wasn't like... You know, kept on the shelf very long. So they they brought it right back out in a wheelchair, and uh, along with Black Canary, carried the ongoing Birds of Prey series. That was a series that did something unheard of today. Made it to the triple digits, running <laughs> from 1999 to 2009, and that's just the first volume. It was hugely popular. It spawned a television show that everyone hated. Yes, but uh, it was it was tremendous, and Oracle had a lot to do with that.
1: Certainly, and uh, you know that was. Pretty much it. Uh, not much more to say about about that uh, until the new Fifty Two, when Barbara well, actually,
0: Also, it's important to say that she was basically Batman's and the Bat family's like home base too. That oh, yeah. that was really her main role. I, I, don't know, I didn't even mention it, but that's what that's what she was doing full time. We'll say
1: yeah yeah she was and it seemed like she popped up any anytime anybody needed Intel, yeah, they referred to Oracle. You'd see that little like digitized face on their their computer monitor, and uh, she was just you couldn't you couldn't get away from her. she was always she was always there, yeah. Um, Now, in the New 52, Barbara Gordon's mobility was magically restored, and she became Batgirl again. Uh, To be fair, they did explain that there was some sort of, was it like experimental spinal surgery?
0: Yeah, they put put it, eventually, I mean, they kind of dodged the issue for a long time. They mentioned it, they kind of dismissed it as spinal surgery while Gail Simone wrote it, and then, hmm. really in a comic we're going to be talking about later on, in about a minute, uh, they put some kind of computer chip in her. It's something like, like this. nanites or something. There you go. I think that was it. I think it was nan- nanites that had scanned with her memories or something to that effect.
1: Yeah, but uh, you know that ultimately that doesn't matter. She can she can walk again. Yeah. The important thing to take away from here, which you know, uh, uh, you know, on its face, does not negate the the Booster Gold story we just read or the one that inspired it. Yeah. You know, she does still get shot. She still does get paralyzed. She still does become Oracle because that was always supposed to happen, right? No matter whose, no matter whose watch it's under.
0: Uh, I would because say getting of, the surgery sort of supports that, actually. Sure, you
1: know, and like, it's and it's a comic book, yeah. so sure. <laughs> and and also, you know, Rip Hunter would not lie to us about that, right?
0: Eh, I don't know about that. He's not. A, <laughs> man's got a lot of secrets.
1: Now, one of the things that uh, that people have been bringing up about the Killing Joke of these these rape allegations, it's something I, I know you you and Jim talked about it on the show once. Mm. Uh, we you and I have talked about it on and off the air. Right. Um, and you know, I'm thinking about it, and the first time that I had heard anybody talking about that was during the uh, that variant cover that came out, that Raphael Albuquerque cover. Yeah. That was the first time I'd ever heard about that. Um, I think I've said it before here, or or on weird comics history. Um, you know, outside of whatever the hell was going on in in Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum, Serious House on the Serious Earth, uh, I never saw the Joker as a as a sexual sadist, because uh, he was doing some weird crap in that book. But
0: yeah. I don't know what that was all about. But, but they I never they, even, saw they even kind of mentioned in there that he sort of changes who he is every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if he wants to be a playful, uh, you know. Homosexual imp, he's that And if he wants to be a murderous psychopath You know, he's that, he can do that too
1: Yeah, and uh, you know I, I just thought that he got his kick Screwing with Batman and Screwing with the police Yep and uh, it's weird how not immediately seeing rape in that scene is somehow the unpopular opinion these days.
0: And, and you know, I remember when this book came out, and and you know, it was in the air. People were talking about it. There were even like you know uh, articles and you know in magazines and comic uh, comics journal, comics journal and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, never never heard rape. I never heard anyone suggest that Joker raped her. Um, you know, she did. the thing, The thing is, what's what makes it funny is that. You almost feel like you're defending what the Joker does. What the Joker does is horrible. <laughs> yes, okay? of course. He, he shoots her in the spine. He paralyzes her. And in my in my mind... He Purposefully. Un- Purposefully. Oh, exactly. Yeah, this isn't like we, we were talking before the show. This isn't a lucky shot. He knows he paralyzed her immediately. He says it's got a cracked spine and it won't walk on its own. There's some mm-hmm. kind of comment like that. Yeah. Um, then undresses her. And while she's writhing in pain, tears in her eyes... Blood all over the floor. Blood yeah. everywhere, you know what I mean? Like, not getting any better. Uh, he idly t- takes pictures, and he uses those pictures later to, uh, obviously, try to warp Jim Gordon. To me, that was bad enough. Uh, yeah. That's, that's a horrifying thing. And then the suggestion that he raped her, or even, or even molested her, it never occurred to me. Because, like Chris says, Joker was not a sexualized character, uh, no. You would never even think of that. Even when he was with Harley Quinn later on, they always had this abusive. You you never think about them humping.
1: You no, know what was I mean very it's, asexual.
0: Exactly. Yeah, she she might she might think it was like he's a messiah a honey, complex. But he he just wanted to like you know pin the crime on her and and have her sure. be his stooge. Uh, you know, my main criticism of this story, if I were to criticize it, which I have, I did one once before on a uh, old Reggie's uh, recklessness when I used to do that segment is that no character is important except for the Batman and the Joker. You know, everyone is just sort of fodder for their war that they waged mm-hmm. through Gotham, and everyone can be a casualty, you know? Um, right away, in the very beginning, the, the real estate guy that sells Joker the carnival... He gets killed, like, instantly. Uh, Barbara Gordon, obviously, shot and paralyzed, and she barely is in the story, like, when you really break it down. Just a couple pages, Just yeah. a few pages. Commissioner Gordon, just another thing the Joker uses to antagonize the Batman. You know, this is all of something happening between the Joker and the Batman, and Alan Moore makes that very clear. The whole thing starts with a conversation between the Batman and the Joker, where he's basically stating what I'm saying it turns out not to be the Joker, but the conversation happens. Also, when he's looking for the Joker, after he talks to Barbara Gordon when she's in the hospital, which is like less than a page, I think, um, there's a page of Batman just beating the crap out of supervillains and regular hoods looking for the Joker. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody is just flotsam, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like When it comes to Batman and the Joker, the whole city, everyone can burn, and that, that, yeah. to, that to me is really the more... Scary part of this book is just like how little people mean in this, you know, war for justice.
1: Yeah, they're just cannon fodder. Yeah, they're just there to they're there to die. They're there to be victimized. Uh, And in addition, to all that you've mentioned there, uh, I my complaint is that I, I hate the way the story ends. Yeah, I, I don't like that Batman and the Joker are sharing a laugh over a joke.
0: It, it doesn't you know, seem like they would. You know what I mean? Like,
1: because like Batman's one of Batman's partners was just paralyzed.
0: Exactly. You know what I mean? Wouldn't, like, <laughs> oh Joker, you, yeah. I oughta, uh oh, you yeah, did it to like, me again. You see
1: him like waving his finger at him. It's <laughs> yeah. Like, if there's anything from this book that's not on my watch, it's that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Grant Morrison says that Joker dies in the end. That's his. That's his belief of what happens here. Uh, it is sort of hmm. left sort of up in the air, um, but I've always taken it the way you have, that they are laughing at this amazing joke at the very end, yes. uh, which is so great. I'm not even going to reveal what it is. It's if you haven't read it. Um, oh, no, It's great. So let's, let's let's talk about what I think really the, the whole controversy behind this book coalesced around this variant cover by Raphael or Albuquerque that you mentioned before. Uh, Just quickly, he's born December 4th, 1981 in Porto Alegre, Brazil, and he's been working professionally since 2002, started with a self-published graphic novel, Rumble and Rumbla, which was picked up by Image in 2007 under the title Crime Land. He's worked steadily ever since, mostly for DC, and he won Eisner and Harvey Awards in 2011 for Best New Series, which was American Vampire with Scott Snyder. So my point is, he's not a new guy. Okay. Yeah, he's, able, he's established. of established, very respected comic book artist, and he's he's done work uh, always for over the years. So if he hasn't done covers, he's done interior. He did Swamp Thing. He did a bunch of things.
1: Yeah, he's he's one of those guys that if, if you if you read every DC comic, you probably get him in a credit of at least a book a month.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah,
1: he's, he's always around. Uh, now, this all came about during a certain run on Batgirl that started with issue 35 of the New 52 run, is December 2014, and it introduced a, a new look for the character. It was kind of that homemade purple. Uh, costume. Right. Uh, and it also introduced a new creative team to the book, which is Cameron Stewart, Brendan Fletcher, and uh, they were the ones writing, and uh, Babs Todd doing the art. Uh, Batgirl number 41, June number, uh, June, June number, June 2015, <laughs> fell during Joker month, which is a month where uh, the Joker, was, all the variants were, the, were,
0: were Joker themed. Some kind of Joker theme, yeah, whatever it was. Yeah.
1: And uh, this one on Batgirl was the the Albuquerque one, and it was an homage to the Killing Joke, and it had the Joker menacing this new look, purple clad Batgirl. Uh, it depicts a, a leering Joker with his arm around a frightened Batgirl, and he's painting a smile on her face. Uh, with it's it's red. It could be paint. It could be blood.
0: Could lipstick. Be
1: a mixture don't know of yet. the two. Or, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a gun in his other hand, uh, and he's got his armor on on her shoulder, or he's got his hand on her shoulder.
0: Yeah. Uh, social media, th- this showed up in a previews catalog, and social media was immediately incensed by this. It went or, nuts. Or the people on social media, let's see. Uh, yeah. I remember even seeing they claim that the gun was aimed at her private parts and was therefore a confirmation of the rape and the killing joke. Which, <laughs> you know, it's. I, I look at that as being more a product of gravity, personally, but... Uh, The new creative team jumped on this, Cameron Stewart said, not on our watch, and the cover was pulled after it had been solicited in previews, which, truth be told, is not really that big a deal. Uh, This happens plenty of times when something uh, gets uh, pulled after it's been, you know, uh, previewed. Yeah, they, there's
1: usually a note saying like not final cover Or whatever It's, it, it, it's always subject to change
0: Well yeah exactly uh, it's, that, that wasn't, That's definitely not the issue here So in Batgirl 49 which was March 2016 The Killing Joke was sort of retconned Out of continuity by way of having it Digitally wiped from her memory uh, this is sort of in connection with what I was talking about—the nanites in her spine, mm. or the chip, whatever it was. Just trust me. Uh, the memory yeah. was erased, and they made a big deal about it. Babstara was like, "I think we undid something," you know. And they were—they acted like they had somehow restored her honor by taking getting yeah. rid of this. They all patted themselves on the back. But now, and and you know, we mentioned this before. Uh, she still had been paralyzed, you know. Her her she had been crippled. She still overcame that through surgery. So how did? joker shooting her not happen and what and whatever the events of that night were you know what i mean however you take it they had to have happened in order for her to have had that surgery right i mean it doesn't it doesn't make any sense (laughs) and then why does her forgetting something remove something from continuity you know it it doesn't that never stuck to me either you know it wasn't like like booster gold could wipe it out he could go back in time and make something not happen but I mean, I forgot a lot of shit that's happened in the world It
1: didn't, be, it didn't stop it from happening Sure, sure, Watergate was still a thing, right?
0: Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, depends, depends on how you feel about Nixon and his uh, dead there years you go. <laughs> um, So anyway, the folks on social media they were, they were really gathered around this statement by Alan Moore in 2006 Where he said it was never intended to be in continuity uh, Which I think could be true um, hmm. I, I, you know, I'm, I go back and forth on that, but whatever he it was, he was very curmudgeonly at this point too. Exactly, yeah. You know, his, his commentary about you know DC comics and mainstream comics in general kind of painted, kind of has to be taken with a grain of salt because he's always, you know, he really acts like the people running the show are morons, and you know, he's not 100 percent wrong. <laughs> but anyway, it stayed in continuity for over 20 years.
1: Yeah, uh, and you know, when you don't own the characters, you, you don't get a whole lot of say on what is or what isn't in continuity. And uh, you know we we mentioned rebirth a little earlier, and I'm sure Alan Moore is not pleased that uh, the Watchmen mythos has been folded into the uh, mainstream DC canon either.
0: If he's even aware.
1: If he's even aware, I'm sure I'm sure someone told him. Yeah. Uh, now also. This kind of flies in the face of more having to ask the editor Len Wein for permission to victimize Barbara. You know, a lot of the it's because a lot of the uproar is when it was revealed that uh, when Len Wein was asked, his response was "cripple the bitch." So, if this was always intended as an out of continuity story, why the formality of asking an editor if you could do something? Yeah. I mean, and add a continuity. You could have, you could have the Joker wear the Batman costume and have Batman paint his face. It's you know you could do whatever you want.
0: Sure, you know I mean all the Elseworlds titles or whatever. You know exactly. Technically an OGN it does its own thing. It stands mm-hmm. alone. Here's some opinions on the, on the mm-hmm. issue. And this is not a, a cut and dry issue. I understand that no. people can perceive uh, that this. And,
1: and and also there is the human factor in there. If if you've had experiences in your life where this triggers something in you, or if this is something that uh, that just bothers you, uh, I mean, we we can't speak from that. Uh, we can't speak through that prism. So, you know, this is just us.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And I can totally see even just taking it at face value whether sure. it was rape or sexual assault or not, it might be too much for some people. And that's exactly. totally... Un- frankly, it might have been too much for me when I read it. I was like 13 hmm. or 12 or 13 or whatever. Um, but, you know, so this controversy that was sometimes cast as people, it's like one side thinks the Joker raped Barbara, and the other side, they, they think that she did not. But I don't think that's really the issue at all. It's simpler than that. It's about... The continuity of it—it's about the event mm. establishing a continuity—and uh, just because you don't like that story, and it, believe me, again, it can be—it's a kind of an unlikable story. You know, it's kind of sure. brutal. It's kind of messed up. It's not very. Yeah, there's nice. not much
1: to like in it. Yeah. No,
0: um, but that doesn't mean that it's not part of continuity. We don't have to punish the story or punish people mm-hmm. that read the story. Uh, a story containing rape, actual or implied, it doesn't make it unfit for continuity. These these things can happen in even in comic books. Uh, considering that after this happened, Barbara Gordon was a much stronger and much more important character to the DCU. Um, and before that, like we talked about, she really was kind of an infrequent guest in Batman. You know, she would be around and she had a uh, relationship with Dick Grayson in the 70s, sort of yeah. on and off. Uh, but she really wasn't like someone that you saw every day. Whereas yeah, She didn't have her own title. I mean, where, whereas when she became Oracle, though, you really saw her all the time. She, they used yeah. her constantly. Um, and that's, that's completely congruous with her cure in the new 52, which I actually disliked more than what happened in the Killing Joke. <laughs> the fact that she was cured. I, li- I loved her so much as Oracle. Yeah. I thought she was such a compelling character. I thought that, you know, someone that didn't even have powers being, you know, further quote-unquote, depowered, becoming so important was such an interesting take. Uh, mm-hmm. and, they, and, they, and they wiped that away. And, you know, I like Batgirl, too. I'm not against it, but I really thought they... they Downgraded the character, but the point is, and this is really what I believe, and and this we could talk about many comics that uh, abuse this belief of mine. But you play the ball where it lies, not where you'd like it to be, you know. Uh, it, you know, we talked before about about Dan Jurgens writing uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he would have loved to write Peter Parker, but he couldn't. Right, nope. at the he time. Was, was they, off the table. It yep. wasn't happening. And, and and you just gotta you gotta take it as it comes. That's how continuity works. And if Stewart, Fletcher, and Tarr didn't want to reference the killing joke, the easier thing to do would just be not to bring it up. That's all. <laughs>
1: And, and, and I, I agree completely, because, you know, like we were saying, uh, many writers in contemporary comics, I'm sure there's a lot of stories they don't agree with. You know, whether that's because of the changing times and the way things were depicted, or just because you hated that your favorite character was killed or made to look foolish. You know, if if you don't agree with it, you don't dig it, rather than drawing attention to them, how about you just don't bring them up? Yeah. You know, it's like, really now A 30-year-old story, regardless of how earth-shattering For a character it may have been It doesn't need to be cited or footnoted In every single subsequent appearance We don't need to say You don't need the little asterisk Saying, oh, by the way, the Joker shot her it. Yeah It's just, I was hurt, I got better Or not even mention that at all, That's all. And uh, and I also agree on Barbara's place In the DCU following the killing joke Like you said, this is a story of a woman With zero superpowers She's got her wits, and that's about it. And now she's handicapped, and she uses her. She turns to her other talents to see to it that she could still make a positive difference in the world, making her perhaps the most important character in the universe. Yep. You know, and uh, the, this makes her, in in my opinion, the iconic the iconic character that she became. She was more vital, brave, and inspiring as Oracle than she'd ever been as Batgirl. Uh, Absolutely. And, and, and also, in my opinion, she was far more likable before her social media obsession. <laughs> yeah. So that, I think that Batgirl could have been a whole new character.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, uh Simone would have been going down a kind of a dark path with Batgirl before that, but it had some interest to it. Um, but, you know, it's never had the same, she's never had the same focus. No. That she had when she was Oracle. And uh, I really think the DCU is a lot poorer without her Definitely. as kind of a glue, a behind the scenes glue. Uh, they I, lost something. yeah I'm trying to think, what well, that was War Games, right? Where they actually kidnapped her, or they, or they, uh, they well, messed she was up kidnapped her. a few times. She yeah. was
1: kidnapped uh, in in a in an arc in Nightwing, and also I believe in War Games because that's where uh, Stephanie Brown was killed.
0: Right. I, I'm almost I'm almost positive that you know. So Stephanie Brown gets killed, and uh, Oracle is way. And I remember actually feeling like. Tension, personal tension, like absolutely. Uh oh, now things are, you know—that's like when in New York, when the subway goes out. Then, <laughs> yes. then you know things. Something's gone really wrong. You know what I mean? Like, uh oh. You know, like we can we can deal with Stephanie Brown. You know, getting taken off the board, but not Oracle. But yeah,
1: and uh, there was also that excellent issue of Birds of Prey. It was uh, if you're looking through a price guide at Birds of Prey, this is going to be the only issue that's worth anything. It's uh, Birds of Prey number eight. And it's a, a date between Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon where he takes her up on the trapeze, and she's handy. She's she's paralyzed. Wow! But he takes her up on the trapeze, and it, it's a it's an incredible issue. If it was easier to get a hold of, I'd say find it. <laughs> but uh,
0: yeah, I mean, even the trades are a ton of money now for whatever yeah. stupid ass reason.
1: Exactly, but I mean, it was like you said, the, the DC Universe is poorer without that version of the character
0: Yep, and uh, that's our opinion, but of yes. course we would love to know your opinion, and you can give it to us by writing to our direct email, which is History at gmail.com uh, If you want to yell at me on Twitter I'm at Reggie.
1: If you want to praise me on Twitter, I'm an Ace
0: Comics. <laughs> and if you want to further praise Chris, you got to go check out his personal <laughs> blog, which is uh, Chris is an Infinite blogspot.com, where he reviews a new DC comic every day of the week. Uh, still in that Halloween month right now, but you know he's uh, getting through it. And there's some yep. wacky comics to be seen. You did, you did welcome back Cotter last weekend, so that kind of broke it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I had to because my my library looked like a bomb went off in it, and I couldn't uh, I couldn't reach anything.
0: I think it was a good interlude, and you know it didn't bring yeah. me back to my Halloween days of uh, throwing eggs and uh, squirting people with shaving cream. And so
1: rubber hoses up people's noses. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, I think that's all we got for this week, Chris. Yeah, anything else?
1: No, I think that'll do it.
0: Well, uh, until next week, we want you to keep it on the treadmill, cosmically. Now the time has come